Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, it's 21 minutes past midnight here at Tennis Podcast Towers and we are on the eve of the final weekend of the 2023 Australian Open. We know who our men's singles finalists will be and it will be a 13th career meeting between Novak Djokovic and Stefanos Tsitsipas for the second time in their meetings, a major title will be on the line and for the first time the world number one ranking will also be on the line david's here yeah oh that that sounds great when you line it up like that and even even though it's so many meetings and yet one-sided it doesn't feel that one-sided going into this one to me hang on you're the guy that thinks rankings mean nothing anymore i was expecting you to poo-poo my, yeah. my big setup I, I, there. I, I, remember, I remember doing that during around the US Open last year when the same situation happened and, and, and Matt made the point, well, at least the winner does become world number one and you can't argue with that in terms of at least it being on the line. I still don't think it's that big a deal versus the Grand Slam tournament that is on the line. I think that that's, I mean, I think it's a massive deal to Stefano Tsitsipas in his eyes. We've talked about that before, haven't we? Yeah, well, I remember the last time he had the possibility of reaching world number one was in Turin last year at the NITO ATP finals. And it was a, an outside shot. He needed to win all of his matches and hoped that other results aligned for him. It felt highly improbable to me, but I, I still threw in a, a question about it on media day before the tournament. And he made it abundantly clear that it was top of mind for him <laughs> and this is so um, much better that it's like this absolutely. if he's going to get there this is how you want him to get there absolutely matt's here hello matt hello yes uh and and i think i agree with you david that you know whoever wins on on sunday the main thing will be either a first major title for Sitsipas or a record equaling 22nd for novak djokovic and then the number one will be a will be a lovely bonus on top of that. And yet, it, I think it will feel right that whoever gets number one is winning a slam in the process. I'm just hoping for a good match. Yeah, we could do because with one. Because we really could do with one. I think we've got two excellent finals on paper here. And I'm just really hoping that one of them takes off. I think, or both of them take off, to be honest. I think we've had 14 matches in the singles since Monday without a deciding set and look you don't necessarily need a deciding set for a match to be great but it helps and 
come on, Australian Open, where are all the good matches? I know that it's sport and it makes you, you know, um, appreciate them all the more when, when they are good, but... Maybe the Still. good matches, Matt, are on the on the public courts of Melbourne at eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Matt played with Briggs this morning. I did. No deciding sets needed there either, <laughs> because uh, Briggs and I lost to uh, the Guardians to Miney Carroll and the Press Association's Eleanor Crooks. We lost badly. Simon said, "Please don't mention this on the podcast." <laughs> and and of course, we're bringing it up in Opening the first few segment. minutes, and then. And I partnered Eleanor and we won. So Briggs was Briggs was 0 from 2. I was 1 from 2. I bring this up, though, not to drag him, but because I've posted a, a picture. There is Briggs content on our Instagram. Uh, Matt took some uh, footage of the Briggs game in order that people might submit their their professional comparisons, as we discussed last night. And, and they've been quite favourable. <laughs> they have, yeah. Simon was... Um, Playing well at this point, and uh, Dominic Team has come in. Dan Evans has it's come in. Basically, a list of all the players with all a single-handed backhand. backhand. Well, mm. They've come in. And I, a I, said, I said Denis Shapovalov because th- there's a lot of moving parts. He's very busy. He He's is a very busy player. Mm. He is. Someone described him as sort of exhausting to watch, <laughs> let alone play. They said, "Does he have three sets in the tank?" Because, I mean, he is, he is moving a lot between shots. But I, I like Simon's game. Mm. It's very, very stylish. If you'd like to check out Simon's game, head to our Instagram for that content and much else besides. If you'd like the opportunity to bump into Simon, then enter our competition that is uh, being offered by our sponsors for the Australian Open on location, the premium hospitality and experience provider. They're bringing us to the BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells for the first time and they could be bringing you to the Miami Open presented by Itau because they are offering one lucky newsletter subscriber from the UK or the US a three-night stay at an official Miami Open tournament hotel. Simon won't be there. He'll be in... um, Sort of in in a hut in the woods or something. something On a sofa bed. sofa bed, that's what he said, sofa bed. Um, Two tickets, uh, tickets for two guests to two full day and night sessions uh, with premium hospitality, transportation to the venue, all included. So the link to subscribe to the newsletter to be in it to win it is in our show notes. And then the URL to enter the competition is tours4tennis.com forward slash podcast. Tours, the number four tennis dot com forward slash podcast and of course we're also or on location rather are offering a five percent discount code to all friends of the tennis podcast for all steve fergal's international tennis tours during 2023 and they have just launched their 2024 australian open packages and would recommend folks it's um despite even no, if the matches are rubbish it's still great we can vouch for the fact that you don't need good matches to have a good time come which for is, week one yeah. <laughs> yeah. no come anytime it's all good look there was there was drama today and there was tension even if there wasn't necessarily brilliant matches i think we'll cover djokovic first and his three set win over american Tommy Paul, because that's what we've just watched. We've just come from the Novak Djokovic press conference. Um, let's cover the events leading up to the match tonight and pick up 
where we left off from last night with the reports of a a few the the Serbian fan base being infiltrated by some people that apparently seem to be um displaying pro Russian and pro war paraphernalia. Um, and the apparent footage that emerged of Novak Djokovic's father, Serjan, um, being photographed with some of those pro-Russian um, fans. I suppose it seems silly to call them fans because they're, you know, they're not there to support the tennis. But anyway, pro-Russian fans. Well, we had a statement from Serjan Djokovic uh, mid-afternoon. It was during the Sitsipas Hashanov match that this dropped. And uh, it read as follows. I am here to support my son only. I had no intention of causing such headlines or disruption. I was outside with Novak's fans, as I have done after all of my son's matches, to celebrate his wins and take pictures with them. I had no intention of being caught up in this. My family has lived through the horror of war and we wish only for peace. So so there is no disruption to tonight's semi-final for my son or for the other player. Maybe he didn't know who it was. I have chosen to watch from home. I wish for a great match and I will be cheering for my son as always. So the very notable absence of Serjan Djokovic from the Novak Djokovic box. We will talk about the match in detail in a moment, but just to jump to to what Djokovic had to say about that situation in his post-match press conference tonight, which, as I say, we've just come from sort of half an hour ago he described the situation surrounding the the headlines that his dad and the footage of his dad last night generate or a couple of nights ago rather generated as an unfortunate misinterpretation of what happened and something that unfortunately escalated he said of course it's got to me he also said Quite unequivocally, we are against the war. We will never support any war, he said. He said that at the end of that video, it was reported um, in in many quarters that Serjan was heard saying, long live the Russians at the end of that video to those people that he had a photo taken with. That has been queried um, by a number of Serbian sources. Djokovic himself says that his father said, cheers, um, in Serbian, obviously, at the end of uh, at the end of that video, we don't speak enough Serbian to be able to to weigh in on that at all. Um, but Djokovic described that as a, a total misinterpretation that there was no intention whatsoever to support any war initiatives. He said also in terms of Sunday and the final, because there is anticipation of quite a raucous atmosphere with the Greek. And Serbian fans on Sunday, he said, I hope that all the people that come to the finals are going to be there for the tennis. It was quite strong stuff from Novak Djokovic just now, David. Yeah, he didn't dodge anything at all. Um, He was also asked whether he would like his father to be there, whether they'd made a decision for him to be there on Sunday. And he said, it's a decision that we made made together for him not to be there but I hope to have him. I hope he's going to be feeling okay to be in the courts because I would like to have him there for the finals. I mean, it sounds like Djokovic really did get affected by by this situation. And um, he, he was 
He was very considered as he went through this. Um, he was asked uh, at the end of the, the press conference, um, you said that the thing with your father was misinterpreted. This was a question from Matt Futterman from the New York Times. He said, did you discuss with him how important it might be, given your platform, for him to be careful? Because it might be a reflection of how he or you or your family feels about an issue like the Russian invasion. And he said, he said, look, he was passing through. He made a photo. It's escalated. He was misused. That was a, 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 an expression he used. He was misused in this situation by this group of people. Um, and and he said, of course, he felt bad because of me, and he knew that that's going to reflect on me, um, the whole pressure of the, of of what escalated and and where we are now. Um, but I mean, I think I think he made it. He made his position very clear, and in a way that I feel that he needed to. I think that they did mm-hmm. the right thing releasing the statement from his father. I think it was sensible for him not to come this time. Um, and I think the way Djokovic handled himself in the press conference was was absolutely the right way to to go. But he was stressed yeah. on court tonight, yeah, he wasn't was. he? he was. Against Tommy Paul, it was evident it might have been a three set victory, and it might never really have felt in doubt, maybe, but for a couple of moments in that in that first set where it got a tiny bit dicey. But it still was a stressful watch I imagine it was a stressful watch for for Novak Djokovic fans of which there were were many in the Rod Laver arena tonight and they were very very vocal this was far from the Novak Djokovic A game now he didn't he didn't need his A game Tommy Paul had moments and flashes and I was very impressed with his competitiveness tonight the way he competed and hung in there it was a lesson for Andre Rublev I thought mentally but just didn't have the game to compete with a subpar Novak, but it was a subpar Novak Djokovic. Yeah, it really was. I think he'd hit as many unforced errors in the first set alone against Tommy Paul as he did in in the entire match against Andre Rublev just a couple of nights ago. He wasn't hitting his backhand well at all. Um, he was pretty stressed on the court, as you said. There is there is this incredible disconnect at this tournament and I think Russell Fuller your colleague David sort of put this to to Novak Djokovic in the press conference there is this disconnect between the stress that seems to be surrounding Djokovic and that's you know because of many different things his first trip back to Australia since the deportation his hamstring injury this incident with his father, the fact he's going for a 22nd Grand Slam there's so many reasons for him to be stressed and I think he is and yet it's not reflecting at all in the actual score lines because he's he's sort of crunching people. And yes, that first set was was very below par from him, but he still won it. And I I thought that um Tommy Paul actually in his press conference has done a has sort of done our job for us. He's done a sort of incredible breakdown of what makes Novak Djokovic so difficult to play even when he's not at his best. And, and and the phrase he's used is that he made me play bad. Mm. And I think that was very evident. And and Tommy Paul says that he, he came in intending to serve and volley. He didn't serve and volley once in the entire match because he didn't feel like he could against Djokovic's return. He said he intended to play drop shots. He couldn't because Djokovic was hitting the ball deep. Um, he said he intended to slice and he missed his first three slices and panicked and thought, OK, well, I, I can't do that anymore. So even Novak Djokovic, not at his best, 
is able to sort of manipulate the game plan and the mind and the strategy of a really good player like that Tommy is Paul. so interesting. You know, I mean, we sort of know all those things, but to... To hear a player say it... Absolutely. ...is, is, is rare, I think. Yeah. So, so credit to, to Tommy Paul for um, opening up like that. The, the aura, as mm. well as the game, is just so significant. I mean, he walked onto that court. Tommy Paul's won one title. Novak Djokovic has won 92. Um, Tommy Paul's won... Play, played 30 Grand Slam matches. Novak Djokovic has played nearly 400 and he's won this title ten, nine times. Yeah, I was about to going to say ten. <laughs> Hasn't won ten yet. But he's won nine titles, and he's been to nine semifinals. So he's never failed once he's got into that position. And you, you must have to almost cheat yourself, cheat your own mind to believe you can, you can win. And then to come out, as Tommy Paul did, not settled. He looked so unsettled at the start. And Djokovic let him back in. I mean, Djokovic really lost his composure completely at 5-1. The, the, the second best analysis of the night tonight after Tommy Paul was, was Matt Roberts at 5-all, I think, ish in the first set with Djokovic having just squandered a 5-1 lead and it all just looking a tiny bit dicey for a moment. Matt said, Djokovic has lost his backhand just like me. <laughs> And he, but the difference is, Matt, he lost everything for a while, Djokovic. He didn't just lose his back. And I mean, the, the way that he, he had an argument with umpire Damien de Massoire, and after that, he was just putting rally balls halfway up the net. And it was really bizarre to, to watch it unfold. And at 5-1, he's got set point. Suddenly, he's at 5-all. And you could see that Paul was puffing his chest out and, and, his, and, he, his eyes and he's got cleared. the crowd so behind them and I, I think he was always going to have the the neutrals or the not specifically Novak Djokovic fans on his side tonight because this is your one match you've bought ticket you've spent a lot of money on tickets for this session you're watching <laughs> a nine-time champion against poor old Tommy Paul who somehow isn't even seeded at this tournament I was very surprised not to see a number next to his name it feels mm. like He's had the result. It feels like he, even before this run, had the status of a seeded player. But he'll get get into the top 20 off the back of this run, so he won't have to worry about that much longer. But if you're even close to neutral, you want a match. Even if you're like a little bit of a Djokovic fan, probably in the first set, <laughs> you're cheering just a little bit for Tommy Paul just to get your money's worth. Because <laughs> you probably think... You know, he'll win in the end. Let's just have a bit of fun for an hour and then my man can win. So he really had the crowd with him after that comeback from 5-1 down because he sort of, he had the support from the start in in majority, obviously a lot of Djokovic fans. But then he also had the sort of, um, the sympathy support of 5-1. It was all getting a bit awkward, wasn't he? And he was getting, it was, it was at that stage where, just winning a point was getting not almost a slightly patronizing level of cheer yeah there was one moment where he he i think he hit an amazing drop shot after a really long rally and a huge ovation went up and i sort of had slightly lost myself and i checked the score it was 15 all, 1 4. And, <laughs> yeah. and it, was, it was the sort of eruption that would greet winning a set normally. Yeah, it uh, was it, this sort of eruption I, I imagine Yoshihito Nishioka enjoyed <laughs> on the John Kane Arena when he won his first game against Karen Hashanov mm. in the third set. Yes. And, and the thing is, though, Paul had 
got it to five, six, thirty, fifteen, and that was the moment where I think he will have regrets because he mm. then missed three forehands in a row from from thirty fifteen up to lose his serve to not push it into a tie break. And look, Tommy Paul's forehand is his weakness. And when you play Novak Djokovic, he's he's just going to exploit that. But I think the disappointment here was that it was kind of just all on Paul's racket. You know, they were just bad shots that he played at, at that point. And, you know, after that, he he just won a sort of barely a handful of games in the rest of the match. We were sort of, we were sort of in garbage time, weren't we, quite quickly after that. But... Um, for a for a little moment there, he he had some momentum, and I think to to sort of throw it away so easily, I think he will be he'll be disappointed by it, even if he recognises the the pretty extreme golfing class. I'd love to know from somebody that knows better than me on the technical front if one of our sort of esteemed friends, sort of Pam, Mary Carrillo, those sorts of people, I'm looking at you, could let me know, like. How much can Tommy Paul improve that forehand? Because it seems to me that a bit of improvement on the forehand, and he's a, a serious prospect. You know, I almost think it's good for a player when you're already really good and there is one glaring area that you can improve, you know, Coco Goff style. Now, obviously, it's not good if you're unable to improve that, but it's better than being maxed out. Well, I, th- I think I think what I saw from Tommy Paul tonight is a bit like when coaches say, "I want my player to practice with the best player so that they know what it's like and that mm. they can get you know it drags you up." Um, if you play people who are inferior to you, you're not going to improve necessarily. Tonight, he played the ultimate. He'd never played him before, and he found out where his game stands. Okay, maybe Tommy Paul could have played better tonight. He might have come out more settled. Maybe next time he will. But level-wise, he knows how far he's got to go. And I think that's actually quite a useful yardstick, really, in terms of your own development, to sort of think about that when you're training, because that's what you're going to have to try and beat one day. Yeah, that's right, because I was sort of imagining, you know, does Tommy Paul what is he, mid-twenties, does he imagine a tennis landscape in the not-too-distant future where Novak Djokovic is not there? You know, and, and, and if Novak Djokovic weren't in this tournament, Tommy Paul you know, is, would be absolutely a real sort of contender for the title. And, and that must be exciting. But well, I suppose not, not if he's heard Djokovic's press conference tonight, which signals well, absolutely no intention to go indeed. anywhere anytime soon. And I think that's the point like it's probably best for him not to imagine that universe a because I don't think it's coming anytime soon and b because Djokovic is setting the standard and you want to get as close to that as as you possibly can and experiences like tonight I guess do help with that if they don't sort of destroy your soul we've had wave after wave of next gens who have talked a good game but I think in the back of their minds have been waiting for the Mm. big four, big three, big two to step away and for the opportunities really to to come flooding in. Right. There, well, Novak Djokovic ain't going anywhere. Yeah. And right now, you know, we'll touch upon, you know, his prospects against Stefano Sitsipas, but right now he's the favourite for all four slams, I think. You, You could argue about the French Open, 
but he's a favourite for the French Open. The other three, he's the favourite. Yeah. I know a lot can change. He's in the mix in the for, course the, of it, for the French Open. A tennis, a tennis year, 100%. So, he's the favourite for the rest, yeah. You know, I, I totally agree with you, Matt. Actually, he's I, not the favourite for the US Open. I roll, I, I sigh inside and a lot of the time outside. You know, when I hear things that indicate players are waiting for Djokovic and Nadal to step aside. I want to hear the Holgerunas say, mm. I want to test myself against Djokovic, even if that means losing. That's what you want to hear. And, and actually, I actually th- feel like he's another example. They all need to feel what it's like to face mm. Djokovic at a Grand Slam in order to get closer to him, I, I think. I mean, I think Tsitsipas did that at the French when he played him once and then he very nearly beat him the next time. So that's irrelevant, David, because they have both forgotten about that match. Right. That's something we learned today. Djokovic said a few days ago in sort of the ultimate um, flex, he was, asked, he was asked about the people remaining in the draw um, and he's dismissively said, well, there's nobody else that's been in a Grand Slam final. And he'd think, literally played in one against Stefano Tsitsipas. And that quote was put back to Tsitsipas today. And he went, I don't remember it either. <laughs> it I think was, that was a, an amazing moment. I think it was an accidental flex. I don't think he deliberately... I agree. Of, mm. course, of course it was. But, but, but it very much but, came across as one because, you know, we know that Stefano Tsitsipas spent a lot of time thinking about that. Grand no, no, he, he's forgotten it, Matt. I know he's now saying <laughs> that, but, you know, the idea that Djokovic sort of moved on already from that French Open final because it's just another one of his 21 <laughs> slams and Tsitsipas has been in a dark room thinking about it for two years was kind of how I mm. felt. So I, I like that Tsitsipas sort of played the, played the mind game as well a little bit today. And I obviously don't believe him, but but well, well, go. You've played. You, your whole life has been dedicated to winning a Grand Slam. <laughs> you've played one Grand Slam final. You were two sets up in it, and you lost. I'd and, be thinking but, about. But, but you've forgotten. You've, I don't remember it. I've forgotten <laughs> about it. I, I would think. I would spend my whole time thinking about the two sets that oh, I won. God, me too. That I got two sets would, up in because you, I'd never sleep again. Do you know? In a positive way. Oh, I'm saying, oh, okay. no, no, I, I'm I saying, if, saying if, if I'm if I'm Stefano Tsitsipas, I'm thinking I had the, I had the better of this guy. Yeah, I lost. That's okay. I can lose to Novak Djokovic. He's one of the greatest of all time. But I was two sets up. I only needed one more. Next time, I'm winning the one more. That's why we all need a David Law in our life. Yes, taking t- taking the positive from well, I, there from that are they're, they're right, right there to be taken. Yeah. Do you know? I I feel um, almost a bit underprepared for this. Grand Slam final that we've got coming up between Tsitsipas and Djokovic because none of us saw that Roland Garros final between Tsitsipas and Djokovic. It was taking place on, on media day at Queen's, wasn't it? And, you know, we did do a podcast after it talking more generally, I think, about the sort of achievement that, that Djokovic got there. But um, I feel like I don't know that match. I feel like I don't really understand how Tsitsipas did lose that two set lead like yeah. i might i might try and watch some of this it's, it's worth I got, i've got a, i feel like i've got a bit more of a handle on it than and i think i was watching it sort of whilst doing other <laughs> things the way i do and because my recollection of that is that Sitsipas was amazing for two sets and Djokovic was flat because he just had that win mm. over nadal that incredible win over nadal over four sets and actually, I think all all the way through the next two sets, I still expected Sitsipas to end up winning. 
but it was Djokovic who 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 elevated his level and I think Sitsipas was a bit disappointing in the in the next three sets. Some of it was taken from his hands, but I I do think if he got two sets up in this final, mm. I think he might win. You know, and I because I was actually thinking about when you were describing this tournament and and how Djokovic has had these easy score lines, but it's felt quite stressful. It reminded me a little bit of when he beat Team from behind in the final mm. here a few years ago. It has a slightly similar feel to that. Well, look, I was watching Sitsipas today, and he did end up going four sets with with Karen Hashanov. There was a, a little wobble from Sitsipas serving for the match in the third set, but. Karen Hashanov, I think, deserves quite a lot of credit for that going to four. But o- overall, I was really taken aback by what I saw from Stefanos Tsitsipas. That I've not, I not watched much of him live this tournament for various scheduling-based reasons. I feel like I've watched a lot of him on the TV and possibly not any of him live before today. And I was blown away by his tennis. It was so good. The tennis is there to challenge Novak Djokovic. Sunday is all in the mind for me from a Tsitsipas perspective. His forehand today was breathtaking. And he can do things with it that nobody else is doing in tennis right now. Yeah, I agree. His... His forehand is often talked about by pundits and by players as, you know, maybe the best on, on the ATP Tour. And I think we we saw it at its absolute peak today in in attack, in defence, on the run. Uh, he sort of used his incredible athleticism to just bring the best out of that forehand. And the strike on it was so pure and clean. He was just doing so much damage with it and I think maybe Hatchinov's backhand doesn't quite have the pace on it that he wasn't able to generate backhand to backhand rallies that we saw Sitsipas have to contend with with Sinner and that sort of put him in a really tough spot and it meant that Sitsipas was able to you know as I said bring that athleticism bring that footwork into play and get round the ball and hit his forehand from his backhand corner as well and you know that's maybe when he's at his most dangerous and I was was absolutely blown away with that shot today and just generally with Sitsipas because there were a lot of reasons in that match for him to potentially lose focus a bit or get a bit stressed or get a bit rattled. I'm talking about the fact that he kept getting called for foot faults, the, kept the fact that he got a couple of time violations, lost the serve, the fact that Hatchinov played the most incredibly fearless tennis down two match points in in the third set tie break to hit forehand winners to save them and sort of every little moment of potential stress it maybe briefly affected Sitsipas's tennis like he did double fault after the time violation but he never he never looked like he was sort of losing control or losing grip and I think that's a that's a improvement that he's made I, I don't think last year I would have trusted Sitsipas to deal with all of that but today he was awesome and the and the reset at the start of the fourth after losing the third was just another example of that got a break up closed it out just impressive from a tennis level and a sort of mental emotional level today I thought he looked like a grown-up out there today and so often 
I have a level of discomfort watching Sitsipas because I'm glancing over to the box and I'm seeing his dad and I'm worried about a sort of slightly toxic parent coach weird outbreak type moment. He had one that I think the last time I watched him live in Turin last year, he, he had one of those. I can't quite remember who his opponent was, but I remember wincing at it and thinking, you're, you're 24 now, Stefanos, come on, and worrying that he would never be able to be a grown-up on the court while his dad's in the box. And look, small sample size so far, and I suspect that Mark Philippoussis is a factor here. I don't think it's an accident that he's in that box and he's having an impact and, you know, he's no, there no, when he's he's playing this way. But this is a different Stefanos Tsitsipas this tournament. It still might not be enough to do what no one else has done before and beat Djokovic in a final here. Well, it might been, very well not be enough, but could be. Playing the best tennis of his, tennis of his life mm. right now, I would say. Uh, certainly on anything other than the clay court, you could argue mm. that that two sets up that he got against Djokovic, maybe that was the best. But this is so complete in terms of the ball strike and the movement and the, the full range out to his right, and he's still on, on the run hitting cross-court forehands like Pete Sampras used to do. I mean, it, that that was the sound that the ball was making off his racket was, wow, it was awesome. Yeah, David was sat, Matt and I were sat together, and David arrived a little late and uh, arrived in the second set. David, did you arrive on into the media seats with ice mm. creams yeah, well, for the children? Kind of bloke I am. <laughs> <laughs> sat behind us. And every now and then, uh, I just said, "Oh, it's just like Pete Sampras." Yep, <laughs> it was, um, it <laughs> which was, is the ultimate compliment. It was from also, David and Lord. he moves like him too. He's good. It's it's an extraordinary level of athleticism and and explosiveness that he has. He, he the thing is though. Djokovic can pick on that backhand like nobody mm. else on the planet. You can't have a weakness against Djokovic. And you've already you? seen him. Does he have Positioned the, does he have the foot, footwork Sinner. to run around it, though, I d- I consistently? Mean, sometimes. Yeah. Like he sometimes. did today against Hatchinov's ground yeah, strokes, but yeah. I, I think Djokovic is, will be listen, hard. Djokovic, Djokovic has beaten him nine I times I just want a, a good match. Well, it's all so I, I want. J- listen, Djokovic doesn't... The ball doesn't make the same sound off the Djokovic racket that it makes off the off the Sitsabash racket. But watch how fast it comes off the racket. Mm. It's like a trampoline effect. Mm. When he times it well. I mean, look, for five games, he stopped timing it. And it was a joke how low his level dipped. But when he's on, he's, he's just got, as well as being elastic limbed, he has almost like an elastic whiplash kind of forehand and backhand that, I mean, he, he looks like the most powerful player in the world when he's, when he's loose like that. Mm. The thing is... Will he be loose? Will he be able to be loose long enough? And I definitely think Sitsipas can put pressure on him if he plays well. But then I also remember thinking that Daniel Medvedev would beat Djokovic about three years ago. And it was, and it was an all-time performance from Djokovic and a flat one from Medvedev. We'll have more time to, to, to preview this match in, in full to tomorrow. But just one last thing on Djokovic that I, that I wanted to to mention is that it occurred to me today that he won't have played a day session match all tournament. All seven of his matches will be during the night, which is obviously favourable to him. Now, obviously, it is not news 
it, it is no surprise at all top players get preferential treatment in terms of scheduling and goodness knows what else. See Roger Federer getting the roof closed for him in 2018 when the night before Simona Halep and Caroline Wozniacki had been playing in 400 degrees and Simona Halep ended up on a drip that night. You know, that this is not news. It is not Djokovic specific by any means. But this is a bit extreme. I don't think and haven't, it's quite hard to categorically get the data on it. But I don't think anybody else has ever played all seven matches in the night session before. I can't remember it here. I remember it at the US Open. Yes, I, I mean here. Yeah. Uh, I mean and, here. And look, and, I think they probably have gone out of their way to make him feel comfortable, mm. um, which... You know, events have transpired, but but I think that I think that that has happened. And this is again not Djokovic specific. He's obviously going to make his requests, and it's you know any any player would make a request that's favourable to them, and it's up to the tournament what they do. Tommy Paul hadn't played a single night session before this evening. He'd had one match that came on around about five six pm and ended up the the Roberto Bautista a good match played into the night. Is that fair? Well, I mean, maybe not, but I mean that's that's just the way it's always been, one way or another. The the the, the higher ranked players, the richer players, the the ones that get the court assignments with with um, in in years gone by with Hawkeye on or or whatever it might be that the ones that get the roof whilst the others are getting all rained off. You know that has always been like that. But doesn't there reach a stage of the tournament where sort of sporting integrity? steps in for example Marketa Vondrosheva not having had the chance to play on the Rod Lay uh, on Philippe Chatrier before her final in 2019 um, and now obviously that was because of a combination of weather and terrible scheduling decisions but that was deemed unfair because you know, your first time on Rod Lay Arena shouldn't be for a Grand Slam final should your first time playing at night well, I, be in a Grand Slam semi-final. It's harsh. I definitely think it's harsh on him, but I'm not sure how you do it because you don't know who's going to win. You know, I don't. No, you don't know but who's going to win. You can the... be pretty sure Djokovic is going to win. Yeah, um, but I don't know how you. I mean, you'd you'd, you'd have to have so many different permutations well, just, for the well, draw. Just like you? It, it, it Has other... he played at night yet? Okay, well, we need to. In yeah. case it's very very difficult, mm-hmm. and and there's not. Yeah. There's not a proper night session on all courts, is there? There's mm. there's matches that go on into the night, like that one that you mentioned about Bautista Agu, but for the first what is it, eight days or so of the tournament, week or so, there's there's only really a proper night session on on the main two courts. So I th- I think it's very, very difficult. I mean I mean the point really is how much those conditions change at night a little you know I think players have been talking about that this tournament haven't mm. they and particularly I think that's why it occurred to me right particularly he should not necessarily he should not be scheduled night for all of them that's, yes that, that's, that's the one that's way around the... it isn't it really like they do uh, we always used to say the a player shouldn't play, play every single match on centre court at Wimbledon you should have a day yes. when you're on court one mm. just to that sh- I, and, I do think that that and, should happen. And I think yeah. Wimbledon and the French generally 
do, do, do that. that. And the US and yeah. Australia generally don't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Sabalenka's been talking about how the conditions were different. Pagula but the, but they generally this. do, for example, Federer 2017 and 18, obviously he was requesting night session. They put in once in the day session, well, I think, in both right. of those I do, years. I do think that's the right yeah. thing to do and, personally. You know, Djokovic, both his last two losses at the Australian Open came in day sessions. It's a... Look, I still think he'd be in the final if he'd been every match during the day session. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it makes a difference. It's mm. not nothing. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's never lost a semi-final here. He's never lost a final here. Those matches are always night sessions. And honestly, it's really only Stan Wawrinka who has beaten Djokovic in a night session sort of since Djokovic became... Djokovic. Djokovic. You know, there was one in 2010 against Songa that he lost, but, you know, we all know it was 2011, really, where Djokovic sort of took his career to the next level. And since then, a night session win over, over Djokovic at the Australian Open, it's only Stan Wawrinka, and that was five sets. You know, it's... it. I think because he, you know, he doesn't have quite the same dominance that Nadal has had at Roland Garros over the years and Nadal's had so few losses there because he you know he won it the first time he played it it is Nadal level dominance at Roland Garros from from Djokovic here it really is when you look at his record I think I think Matt Trollope um, the Australian journalist pointed out that he's got the Rod Laver Arena winning streak record tonight as well and you know it's it's if it's not the hardest task in tennis because that's beating Nadal at Roland Garros. It's it's extremely close trying to beat Djokovic here and especially in the night session. So good luck, Steph. I guess is <laughs> uh, is is the end of that point. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Djokovic that Nadal has done what he's done at Roland Garros because if he hadn't, we would be talking so much more about you know potentially winning ten titles yeah, at agree. the same major if you think it, it is unbelievable if he does it he'll have won two more of those than Federer won Wimbledon's yeah. and three more than Sampras did and those mm. numbers felt well they are they're enormous they're, to they're extraordinary to have never lost a final to have never lost a semi-final yeah he's played more Grand Slam finals than Tommy Paul had played Grand Slam matches and he's <laughs> and he's played Federer and Nadal and yeah, Murray. Yeah, the hardest and, era, arguably. You know, Dominic Team, Unbelievable. Medvedev. It's not like he's had an easy ride, really. No. It's, uh, it is extraordinary, really. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. 
Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Some other results that we had today. Louisa Stefani, David, proved she really is some player. I know. When she and partner Rafael Matos won the mixed doubles title, beating Sanya Mirza Rohan Bapana in straight sets in the final that was first up on uh, Rod Laver Arena today. First major title for both Stefani and Matos. It's an amazing comeback, actually, for Stefani, who badly injured her knee in 2021 I believe you know it was potentially career-threatening that injury and she's come back and is now having the best results of her career and that's incredible I I, I really want to see her get a good partner in the women's doubles what are you saying about Rafael Matos no no in the the women's doubles because I think you're looking at a player I, I mean I wasn't I meant what I say when I thought she's a wonderful player in that that week that I saw her. And I've seen her loads of times since I watched that final today. The, her athleticism, her, jud- her sort of anticipation, shot execution. I think she's brilliant. And I just, I love watching a great team as well. And someone needs to snap her up and be the right partner because she could she could take on Krachikova and Siniakova and all these guys I'd tell you sort of pimping out Louisa <laughs> Stefani <laughs> I just think Weird she's awesome segment on the pod uh, there were uh, tearful scenes weren't there for Sanya Mirza for whom this is her 30, 36 of age this is her last Grand Slam tournament it's not her last tournament she'll retire officially I think the intention is in Dubai um, in a few weeks' time, she she gave a wonderful speech. She explained that Rohan Bapana was her first ever mixed doubles partner when she was a teenager, and that's why they teamed up together here. So that was lovely. And, you know, title or not, an incredible run to the final for them. The women's doubles final will be between Barbora Krejcikova and Katerina Siniakova. And Ina Shibahara and Shuka Aoyama, they beat Coco Goff and Jessica Bagula today. Yeah, I watched the very end of that. It was it was on at the same time as the first set of Sitsipas Hakshanov and I took my laptop out to the press seats. I would request slightly better Wi-Fi in those seats. Mm. It's it's always a little bit of a challenge trying to trying to watch a live stream of a match, but it was it was okay for a, for a few minutes there and they saved um they saved four set points right at the end of that end of that second set Pagula and Goff were really threatening to push it into a third set it was it was extremely fun and what I noticed was that uh, Shibahara and Ayoyama amazing crossing at the net like Pagula and Goff were, were, were hitting cross court you know f- from the baseline and someone at the net was always just crossing at the right time it was it was great doubles to watch kind of 
two contrasting teams. Um, I think they converted their 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 first their first match point after saving those those loads of set points. So yeah, really um, really fun end to that match that I just sort of caught there. It's a first Grand Slam final for those two, so um, that'll be a v- very interesting. That'll be played on Sunday. Um, a few wheelchair results for you from today. Didier de Groot and Anique Van Koot won the women's wheelchair doubles title for the third year in a row and the fourth time overall as a pair. Anique Van Koot had won it um, before with a previous partner, but fourth time as a pair. And de Groot will now play Yui Kamiji in the singles final tomorrow. Uh, in the men's wheelchair doubles final, Gordon Reed and Alfie Hewitt won a fourth Australian Open title in a row and a 16th major title overall uh, with victory over the Dutch pair. Bear with me here. I've showed off it with De Groot a few times <laughs> to buy myself some, some leeway when I go in with Mikhail Scheffers. Fine, pretty confident about that. And Ruben Spargeren. That's what I'm going Don't with. Don't look at me as if but I'm I might very, give you some very help. happy to be corrected, Dutch oh, speakers. Oh, you will be. Please get in touch. Can't wait for and that. And the good thing is, when you correct Catherine, she will then instantly <laughs> nail, nail it, it and have the most yeah. incredible yeah, please, pronunciation. Yeah, please, please correct me. Yeah, I would like to be getting it right. Why don't you just give Botic a, a quick run now? Just you mean Botic? Yeah, give him a run to make yourself feel good. Botic van der Zandschulp. That's the one. Mm. Uh, 6162 for Gordon Reed and Alfie Hewitt today. And Alfie Hewitt will now go in the singles final tomorrow against Takito Oda. Uh, so we'll let you know what happens in that one. The quad wheelchair doubles today was won by top seeds Niels Vink and Sam Schroeder. Niels Vink of Niels on Wheels <laughs> fame. Excellent website, check it out. And uh, Niels Vink and Sam Schroeder will play tomorrow against one another in the quad singles final. And that's something, as we know, that we get very excited about as a storyline. And they're like, it happens all the time, get over it. (laughs) Great, thanks. (laughs) Um, So, the women's singles final. Matt asked me for a prediction for our newsletter for this some hours ago. Still haven't got it. (laughs) No, you have not. (laughs) I do not know what to say. I feel like, and I'm glad I feel this way. It makes me excited for it. And Mm. I desperately hope I'm not disappointed. But I feel like all four potential outcomes are very possible. I I don't know what to go for. Mm. I think that's right. Uh, they are. They feel very closely matched, both in terms of physical ability, um, strokes, stature, power, potential, even long-term potential. Obviously, Rebecca is a lot younger, so I think she's younger, isn't she? She's not few, a lot young. Uh, yeah, she's younger. A couple of years younger, but you know, uh, they both. I think Sabalenka's entering her prime now. I think she's mm. now figured a few things out and she's about to peak. Rebecca, I actually think, has got her best yet to come, potentially, because I mean, she's so young. She's only 23 and she's already won Wimbledon. But, I mean, so much of it will be about who, obviously, who executes the shots on the day, but who can hold their nerve because it's such a big deal, isn't it? And, I mean, we, we've seen wobbles from particularly Rebecca, I think, in that most recent match against Azarenka when 
it looks like it's all under control and then she wobbled. I didn't get the same sense with um, Sabalenka once she got over the rough start the other day. So I think it's her time. Mm. I keep veering between, you know, when I think of the tennis, I don't know what to do because both of them look like unstoppable forces. And obviously one of them has to be stopped tomorrow. So I can't really go anywhere with that. So I start trying to drill it down on paper. And then one minute I'm thinking, wow, the head-to-head is very strongly in as uh, in um, Sabalenka's favour. That can be my... You know, I'm looking for things to be mm. decisive here. So that... And then I think Rabakina has been there and done it. Surely that's more important than any head-to-head you know we have seen Sabalenka lay eggs in big moments one big egg against Leila Fernandez in the US Open semi-final of, uh, of a year and a half ago I've never seen Elena Rabakina do that but then Sabalenka's got over the semi-final hump now you know maybe that was the big one and now she'll be fr- are you as any you, closer to giving me tell, a prediction I'm completely <laughs> oscillating <laughs> I really don't know what to do I just feel like Sabalenka's uh, achievement in getting over the, the serving yips and the literally dozens of double faults she was hitting week after week uh, a year ago must be so empowering for her now she can mm. trust that bit of a game she's got mm. it what an, what an accomplishment that is to get over and the rest of the game is still there and she's calmed down calming herself down point by point to not worry about the future, to not be in quite such a rush. I think she's ready. I do too think she's ready. But I also think Elena Rabakina has been ready for some time. I think they're both very ready. Yes, I I agree. (laughs) I I, I feel like the the way Sabalenka will approach the match and the the force of nature that she is, I think... I think that's going to be decisive. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up going with Sabalenka, just. Um, I'm I'm very persuaded by, you know, the sheer fact that she hasn't lost a match all year. She's won every match in straight sets. Like, Me too. Her form has been so good. I do think the serve is crucial tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I think both of them are so good on return that if one of them has a bit of a bad serving day, that really could could make a difference. Um, and I guess I do trust Rebekina's serve more, but I just think Sabalenka's going to have a good serving day, I guess. Um, so, so I am just going Sabalenka. But isn't it great to, to have a final where you feel like this? You, know, you really mm. have, have absolutely no idea. Wish it was best of five. Same, yeah. same. I was thinking that today, you know, we've had uh, only one semi-final across the four men's and women's that wasn't straight sets and that, you know, would have been straight sets were it not best of five. And yeah, I increasingly have, I increasingly feel so strongly that women and men should be playing the same format and women should... If you... I know I've said this a lot of times on the pod and I know, you know, I'm repeating myself and banging my head against a brick wall, but if you think best of five is a good thing 
and is the pinnacle of tennis and should be sustained, then if you don't also think that women should have access to that pinnacle form of the sport, then that is unacceptable. Yeah, and the latter stages of the tournament is when to do it. And the Absolutely. first few rounds is when yeah. to make some space. Because scheduling is so often given as a reason for, for why it's not um, logistically and practically possible. Well, okay, everyone plays best of three in the first week when there's, when mm. there's more matches. Um, sorted, yeah. And and again, like, if you think scheduling is is the, why are you doing a face at me? No, I, I've just remembered a funny tweet that I saw today. <laughs> I'll come to it. You're making well, if, a serious well, you, point. Well, <laughs> well, if you think scheduling is a valid reason, I don't know. It's, it sounds accusatory. I know most of the people listening to this are on the same page as us, and we love you for that. Um, but if you think scheduling and the practical concerns are a valid reason to not allow women to play best of five sets, then what you're essentially saying is you're okay with women making a sacrifice for men to be able to shine. Well, I'm not okay with that. And mm. I, I think tennis should be less okay with that. Lighten the mood, Matt. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about your tweet, Matt. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't my tweet. Someone, it was when I was moaning about the fact that there were no good matches and all of that, and someone said, um, well, we should play, you know, because, it, because the tournament sort of seems to have got worse since the beginning, we should play best of five for everyone in the first week. <laughs> we, should play, we should play best of three for the middle rounds and tiebreak tens for the final. <laughs> Just get it over yeah, with. Fast, fast four semi-finals from now on, please. It did amuse me. Oh, but the, but you know, last year it was also it was sort of the opposite, wasn't it? it you know, it's just I can't remember last year. Yeah, well, last year it built to uh, the it Nadal Barty and maybe, look, I have maybe. a lot of faith in these finals. Yeah, both I do of them. Too. I really I do. do we're going to leave on early next week. <laughs> Buzzing. I think we're going to get payback on Sunday. Yeah, for we're going to forget about Tuesday to Friday. <laughs> Don't worry, and it's going to be all about Saturday and it's Sunday. All going to be yeah, okay. the highlights. Real Tuesday to Friday will be Briggs and Matt at the park <laughs> in Melbourne, and uh, but Sunday is going to be you know all about the pros. Saturday and Sunday, so we we have high hopes, folks. We genuinely do. That's not just oh no, hype it's very machine. genuine. Um, I'm I'm incapable of hype fake hype anyway so yeah i really i really do have faith in the weekend to come um we have our mascot cordelia right cordelia and i can now point people once again in the direction of instagram where there's a a post with cordelia's lovely face on which details are each of our predictions from quarterfinals onwards. Now, at the quarterfinal stage, I was somewhat reluctant to point people in this direction because things were looking a little bit ropey. <laughs> but final stage, things are looking less ropey for old Catherine and Xenia oh, over here. You've got three of the four finalists. Three of the four finalists. I think that's the oh, first. No. Can we delete that? I don't think I've got any of the other quarterfinalists, <laughs> but the finalists have gone well. It's my Vekic quarterfinal... It's going to serve Helped. you well, Dave. Yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah, when I add up yeah. the scores, that you will, and that will da- help. No, sorry, not Darwin. Maisie. Yeah, me and Maisie. All right, <laughs> Matt's Maisie. Got Darwin. Yeah. We had a bad day, Darwin. Good. Sorry. Uh, Too we- much faith in Karen Hatchinoff. 
<laughs> I always underestimated him, so I gave him a bonus set. It's because of thinking, Matt, Matt Robinson. You know, I always, always get Hatchnov. I always underestimate him. Always, I'll, I'll say five linked. sets. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Ilana Kloss. I think they'll both be there in the crowd for the final tomorrow. We so love to be. see it. Brilliant. Uh, we have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Drew and Hannah. Hello to you all. We have our sponsors for the duration of the Australian Open, the lovely people at On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider and uh, Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours who are offering that 5% discount code to all friends of the tennis podcast and are offering that incredible competition prize in Miami for all newsletter subscribers in the UK and the US. And we have shout-outs. We've got Brian Ahrens in Ontario, Canada. Uh, Brian? Like Brian Shelton. Well done, Catherine. The dad... Of Ben, and ben no Shelton. relation to Blake. <laughs> Although I think this might be um, same church, different pew. Is it an I? It's an I. It's an I. Yeah, there are other tennis Bryans, aren't there? Teacher, Gottfried. Teacher's a good shout. Very good. And Gottfried. I think those are both eyes. You two are absolutely flying with those two. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. Uh, Brian says he became a dedicated listener since a friend shared the New York Times article oh, with him last year. Love that. Hooray. Love that. Thank you, Brian. We've also got Cheryl Harris, and Cheryl writes, no relation to Lloyd. Well done, Cheryl. <laughs> but she's doing our work Cheryl. for us. Um, there, are there but thank Cheryls? you, Cheryl, for because for, for, I'd forgotten about Lloyd. So that was quite Cheryl helpful. makes me think of Cheryl uh, Baker from Bucks Fizz, which, which is a very Brit- that, British centric reference. A pop they, group from before you were born, Catherine. Yeah, but the, making they, your mind up and all that. Yeah, they won. They won <laughs> Eurovision, didn't they? Yes, they did. The, the famous oh, skirt oh, removal thing. I was old enough to remember that in 1980. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheers, Cheryl. And finally, we've got Dana Frauwein in California. Right, Dana. Like Fraulein Forehand. Oh. Which was the nickname of Stephanie Graf. Yes. Mm. Okay. Good one. Dana. I can't think of any... Like Dana International that also won Eurovision. (laughs) There was a... Throw a blanket on me, I'm on fire. (laughs) (laughs) There was a Dana... Who was an umpire in the Jimmy Connors 1991 run. But I'm not sure if that's the same spelling or the same pronunciation. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I know about the spelling. I don't know about the pronunciation. What's the spelling? D-A-N-A. I believe it's the same. Oh, great. Which is exciting. Have you had four dinners with this umpire? <laughs> no. <laughs> we all had dinner with John Blonde today. Did. He just didn't know about no, it. No, no. We were in the same kind of building <laughs> selfies in the same were queue. taken uh, thank you dana or dana either one either one works any any no, sub, sub, supplementary it. information that's, no that's all none needed dana dana thank you ever so much uh thank you to all of our friends of the tennis podcast you are the reason that we are here in Melbourne having an excellent time despite the rubbish tennis. <laughs> uh, but it's going to get better, folks. It's going to be a brilliant finals weekend. We sort of promise. We promise, but only if you promise not to sue us for that promise. 
thank you for listening and we will speak to you tomorrow after a brilliant women's final. Yeah. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 